Welcome to Monday Motivation with Corey Mendoza. Life isn't perfect, nor is it easy, but it can be enjoyable, fulfilling, and purposeful if we choose to create it to be so. Monday Motivations is a quick and easy way to help you create the rich and fulfilling life you desire. Your host, Corey Mendoza, is a highly sought-after speaker, coach, and author, influencing professionals to get real, work less, and live more balanced lives. Each Monday, she interviews an expert in their field to find tips, encouragement, and inspiration for your personal and professional success. Monday Motivations increases your awareness of what you can do with your current situation. Your sense of empowerment will expand, fears, doubts, and worries will vaporize, and you will see more possibilities every day. Let's dig into the next episode of Monday Motivation with Corey Mendoza. Welcome to Monday Motivations, 52 Weeks to a More Purposeful You. This week, our topic is simplicity. So we're on week 26. Our topic is simplicity, and we have Chris Hewitts. Chris Hewitts wrote, oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I just have to say he's my Enneagram coach. Um, I, I've loved the Enneagram for years, and I came across... This is the workbook, but I came across the book, um, The Sacred Enneagram, and I loved it so much. I then bought the workbook, which I like did everything in it. Um, Loved it so much, ended up getting the Enneagram of Belonging and the workbook. And I was like, I have to meet this person. So I found you on your website, Gravity Center. And you have just been walking with me on my own transformation and journey through Enneagram coaching and super, super excited for everyone to get to know you a little bit more. Um, so welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for, for including me. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And I can't wait for everyone to hear your bio so people will know what a big deal this is. Um, they're going to feel your heart and your presence um, and and then when you just, you know, hear your bio, it's like, okay, this is making sense who you are. So I'm just going to read it. Chris Hewitts has spent a lifetime bearing witness to the possibility of hope among a world that has legitimate reasons to question divine goodness. Stop me already. Sign me up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just going to repeat that. Chris has spent a lifetime bearing witness to the possibility of hope among a world that has legitimate reason to question divine goodness. And I think that's pretty timely. Originally from Omaha, he attended university in Kentucky before moving to India, where he volunteered alongside a little lady called Mother Teresa. I'm going to pause right there. Yeah. That's kind of big. While in India, he helped launch South Asia's first pediatric AIDS care home, creating a safe haven for children impacted by the global pandemic. In 2012, Chris helped launch Gravity, a center for contemplative activism. In 2017, he published the two books I referred, and we'll definitely put those in the comments so people can access them. 
Both books help readers use the Enneagram to move beyond type as a mere caricature and learn how to work with the Enneagram for spiritual growth. Chris also hosts, hosts the Chart Topping podcast, Enneagram Mapmakers, where he facilitates candid and vulnerable conversations that chart the unexplored interior landscape of the ego. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on the show. And, and as I read that bio, <clears throat> what, what part of that bio is most near and dear to your heart? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the, the, the 20 years of international humanitarian work I did um, has really shaped everything that I do now. And, uh, you know, that work was with um, kids who are conscripted to fight in civil wars, little kids who are trafficked into, into prostitution, um, refugees, children living on the streets and sewers and slums, and then of course kids who, who had been orphaned because of HIV or AIDS or were born HIV positive. And, and I think, um, you know, looking back on, on, on sort of living among the dying, let's say, and I, and I don't want to be cliche, because in the 20 years of that, that international humanitarian work, we had buried over 700 of the women and children that we had worked with in the, in the 15 projects we had all around the world. It, um, I think created a, a, a deep grief in me that I think has, is allowed for the capacity of, 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 of more love and somehow didn't, didn't diminish or, or, or take away my sense of hope, but in, in fact, gave me more capacity for hope as well. Mm, mm. Wow. That's, that's a lot. That's, mm. that's pretty cool pretty special that that your life has been able to be used in that way and um so when you read this topic um on simplicity what how would you kind of summarize the subject of simplicity not so much maybe what i had written about it but but your take on what i wrote yeah, so I, I appreciated when when you were writing about this notion of elimination and, mm. and how that kind of declutters or, or makes actually space for more, and I actually think that's kind of the the, the point here. Like I I, I I grew up in, in in religious spaces where I think I misunderstood simplicity. In fact, I kind of thought simplicity was actually austerity. It was a kind of voluntary poverty. It, it meant I had to go without certain things. And I think in the, in the international humanitarian work, um, I, I, I kind of had a, an unconditioning of some of that and a relearning. And, and so now I, I really sort of view simplicity through the lens of it. It's not um, what I hold, but it's how I hold it, right? If there's something that I possess that I can't get rid of, then actually it possesses me. And, and so I think simplicity is kind of the open handedness of I, I can receive anything. And, and if that means I have very little or if that means I, I receive beautiful things or extravagant things or, 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 or lots and lots of things that I never would have thought I could have. That's not really the point. It's, it's how I'm holding those things. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so if that's the mentality, if that's the paradigm, if that's the unconditioning, then simplicity necessitates generosity. And I think that's the second thing that I learned in, in my work about simplicity, that it's not what I give away, but it's actually what I keep. And mm -hmm. what I keep is actually the indictment against what I hold. And, and so giving it away doesn't have to actually mean like I empty my, my bank account. I, I, I pull every book off my shelf and, 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 and pass those along to my neighbors. Mm -hmm. It's more the spirit of abandonment in that spirit of generosity. So 
you know, I helped start uh, a couple of children's homes in South India. They were for, for kids, like I said, who had been orphaned because of HIV and AIDS. And there were two little sisters that, that, that came, came to live with us there. Um, one of them, she died the week before her, her 10th birthday. And, and it was awful. I mean, I, I knew her for her entire life and she always had a smile on her face. She was always so kind to the other kids. Like she, she suffered with such grace. And, and when she passed it, it was heartbreaking. She had passed shortly after her, her, her father died. Her mother had died shortly after she was born. She, she didn't know her mother and, um, her and her sister were, were sitting in the children's home on Saturday afternoon when her dad showed up. The guy was completely malnourished, emaciated. He had been sitting uh, on the dirt floor, laying on, on the dirt floor of his slum in his own dysentery because he was dying himself from AIDS. And it turns out that he wanted to see his little girls to say goodbye to them. Um, later that week, he, he, he took his own life. He, he couldn't bear the suffering, the misery, the pain. And so when they went into his little slum to kind of clear it out and to bring the possessions back for his, his daughters, really the only thing that he had was this sort of clay pot and it was, I mean, it wasn't even a rose bush. It was a single yellow rose bud. And that was really all these two girls had to remember their, their father by. As I was, was leaving the city, I was in the South. I was going up to Calcutta in the North, um, you know, and having spent so much time with these little girls, having sort of grieved with them and the, and, and the suffering and their loss, um, they ran back into the home, just overwhelmed with their tears. And I was so sad. I was like, man, I just love to spend a little bit more time with them. The taxi came to, to, to pick me up, to take me to the airport. And they came out and, and what they had done was gone in, looked for a pair of scissors and, and cut that rosebud off and, and gave it to me. And, 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 and up to that point in my life, and, and even now, that was one of the most special gifts I've ever received. And you see, that's, I think, that spirit of simplicity that, that necessitates generosity. It's not what you give, it's what you keep. They gave everything. And giving everything is, I think, the, 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 the fruit, the radical abandonment of, of a spirituality of simplicity that I think loosens the grasp of our notions of possession. Mm, wow. I like that you're bringing this into, um, you know, simplicity. We can talk about it in a lot of different ways, but, you know, speaking to it in terms of possession and especially living in such a material materialism world. Um, there's, there's been a big, um, you know, movement or a lot of attention on becoming a minimalist. Hmm. Um, you know, do you have any comments to make about, you know, our Western perspective of minimalism versus maybe the simplicity that you perceive for yourself with your life experience? Yeah, my, you know, my, my sense is minimalism is the correction to something that's probably out of control in a lot of our lives that we have our, our homes and then we have a storage unit or we have yeah. a garage, but we don't park the cars in there because it's full of everything. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that we need all of those things. And I don't know that it's awful that, that some of us have all of those things, but I do think it probably is the projection of, of an interior state of, as you kind of mentioned in your, 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 your reflection there of, of a kind of distracted clutteredness. And if that's going on inside, then of course that's what we're creating outside. And so if minimalism in the exterior is kind of pulling on the tether to get into the interior so that we can also clean that up, fabulous. But if it's simply like, hey, I have a ton of junk and let's get rid of some of it so I can live more peacefully in my home, that's fabulous too. Mm -hmm. I, I think, like I said though, it's the correction. And the correction 
um, helps us, I think, live lifestyles that reflect respect for people who don't have access to the same kinds of things that some of us might. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm all for it. I think if you really get into it and and kind of turn it upside down on itself, it probably can lead to some pretty, pretty uh, transformational inner work though. Mm -hmm. Man. There's so much here. I honestly don't even know which direction to go. What mm. what else what else um, would you want to speak to based on this topic simplicity? Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, I like I said, I, I think how I grew up, simplicity was was more of kind of an external exterior marker of how people lived in terms of space or their relationship to possessions or access to resources. I, I, I wonder what the spirituality of simplicity looks like, though, when, when a person says yes to less so that they can actually say yes to more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really sort of what turns it upside down, mm-hmm. right? It's, you know, I used to say this to some of my friends. It's like, there's, there's a, there's a, everything's a trade-off in life, right? I, 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 I can hold um, this little ball on my hand, but now I can't hold a pair of scissors and use them. So I set this down so I can pick something else up. And, and my sense is, is when we're finally open-handed, empty-handed, and that being sort of a posture of the heart, we're really able to receive anything. And I think the things that we can receive that we wouldn't expect we could have received are, are, are the surprises. It's what's unexpected. And that's, I think, the, the spirituality of this, like, I can clutter my mind. I can fill my heart. I can sort of overdo it in all of my life. And what am I doing? If I'm distracting myself from the best yes I can make, if I'm distracting myself from the most beautiful gifts I can receive, well, well then, then I'm, 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 I'm sort of at a loss. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not the life that I was destined or designed for. So that simplicity of the heart, I think that spiritual out of a simplicity kind of changes things. And I, I know that's a funny little nuance, like, used to facilitate before the pandemic silent retreats yeah that was a big thing or i don't know if it still is but yeah so at at different monasteries where where these would be hosted like sometimes the monks would say it's not only silence of your words but it's silence of your eyes and so when you're walking down the hall and if you see a fellow retreatant and you don't want to make eye contact you don't want to acknowledge them you don't want to be taken out of this spirit of silence just just lower your eyes to the ground and practice silence of the eyes and, and I think you can translate that over into something like simplicity. Like what does simplicity of the heart look like? What is the, the, the abandonment and that? What is the, the making space for more by creating, let's say a, a receptivity that, like I said, facilitates and necessitates generosity. And, and that ends up being the point. It's like, yeah, I, I, I can have my, my 16 ounce cup and, and fill that with water, but it's only going to hold 16 ounces until I cut the bottom off of it. And then I can pour the entire ocean through it. And I think that's what generosity allows for this possibility that I can give more than I ever thought, because in simplicity, I receive it without being tethered or tied to it. I receive it without feeling like I have to grasp it or hold on to it. Mm-hmm. So, so, so um, I love how you've guided this to be about the heart and the mind and about, you know, opening to be more of a vessel so that there's more capacity. Um, What are some indicators that we could look for to know that maybe we're not having this? It would, is simplicity a virtue, would you say? 
I, I mean, I, I, I think it's a virtue. I think it's a celebration. Um, I think it's a, a posture. Um, I, I think it's a, a way of, of, of being free. Mm, now, you know, I like that as an Enneagram seven. Mm. So, so what would you say? Um, maybe I have an idea, maybe share what would simplicity look like for a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So for, for our listeners, um, they might not know what the Enneagram is. So can you maybe kind of give like a, is there, is it possible to do like a 60 second, here's what the Enneagram is. And then, and then what would simplicity look like for all nine types? All right. And we can give it a try. Um, so Wait, let Enneagram, me get my timer. I'm kidding. Take your time. Take um, your- popularly speaking, the Enneagram has become sort of an overlay for, for personality structure. And that's one of many ways we can view it. If it is, in a sense, a way of describing how somebody presents in the world, um, great. That's, that's a, I, I think, a helpful start. But really, my sense is, and, and there's nine types, there's nine psychic structures, personality structures, there's nine sort of thumbprints of the archetype of humanity. And, and I realize how convenient it would be if there's only nine types of people in the world. Of course not. There's way more. This is way deeper. It's way more complex. But we start with nine. My sense is the Enneagram really is the nine ways that we, we, we want to be loved, the nine ways that we, 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 we suffer not being loved, and the nine ways that we act out of that suffering. And the acting out of the suffering of not being loved the way that we want does create personality. It does create uh, psychological coping mechanisms. Uh, another way of understanding the Enneagram is to say it's our ego set of coping addictions that we've wrapped up around a so-called childhood wound so that we don't have to tell ourselves the truth about who we really are. We'd rather believe we're the masks that we wear. We'd rather believe we're the personalities that we have. We'd rather allow one of the many fragments of our identity to lay claim to the whole of how we show up in the world. So the Enneagram shows us the nine ways to sort of live out of our freedom, to live through the illusions or the delusions of personality and to not be limited by that. And so even in that, there's, there's, there's the, the, the hint of simplicity. Um, if we were to kind of run around the circle, you know, the type one is sometimes called the perfectionist or the reformer. This is a need to be perfect. This is the very principled person. My, my sense is probably for the types one, type one, simplicity um, would look like easing, let's say, the, the structure that they put around their own sense of duty, because really the ones are incredibly great and good people, but they're fundamentally afraid that they're so flawed that they're unlovable. And so that's why they, they, they are so compliant to expectations, to duty, to rules. So simplicity is just saying, hey, I love myself for who I am. In fact, it's my flaws that make me beautiful. Um, type two is sometimes called the helper, the giver. This is the need to be needed. Well, um, hold on. So for one, perhaps walking in simplicity is accepting their imperfection. I think that is a, a huge invitation for ones and accepting their invitation, accepting the invitation to their imperfections means, Hey, I, I have less boxes to check. I have less rules to comply to. I have mm-hmm. less duty to, 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 to surrender to the oughts and shoulds dissipate. And, and the yes for me is the yes of self-acceptance. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So two is sometimes called the helper or the giver. This is the need to be needed. This is 
the very nurturing energy of the Enneagram. They're the kind of lovers where we're, we're all invited into their embrace. They, they, they know what somebody needs better than we need it. In fact, they're already there meeting those needs. You see, the problem is the two feels guilt and shame when we're showing up to meet their needs. Um, the two feels really bad asking for what they want. The two feels that as if self-abnegation, right? Giving themselves away at their own expense is actually what love looks like. So my sense for a, a, a spirit of simplicity in the heart of the two would be the, 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 the simple acceptance that to love myself is actually what allows me to love others because I can only love someone as deeply as I've loved myself. Mm-hmm. And that makes love less complicated, less, less, less sticky, less manipulative, less sort of um, tethered to sacrifice. Because you see, I, I think a lot of twos imagine love through the lens of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So to recap, twos walking in more simplicity would be open to accepting love and letting love in. Yeah. Okay. And loving themselves. I mean, loving really. themselves. Okay. All right. Threes. So three is sometimes called the the performer or the achiever, and it's sometimes said this is the need to succeed. But the truth is, for threes, it's never been about success or failure. It's always been about the relationship to their inherent worth or value. And so to accomplish more makes them think they are more valuable. And if they're more valuable, they're more lovable. And, and, and so probably simplicity in, in this case is, is stripping away these trade-offs, stripping away the, the notion that I have to earn love rather than kind of just trust falling into love. It's a, a free fall backwards into their own heart. And it's realizing that value is ascribed, not earned. Mm, okay. So... For threes, simplicity is stripping away the notion that I have to earn love. And it's that free fall backwards into loving themselves and yeah. love. Yeah. And, and knowing that it already exists there, that, okay. that you, 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 can't, you can't earn what's been ascribed to you. Okay. All right. Fours. Four is sometimes called the tragic romantic or the individualist. This is the need to be unique. Um, fours ache. They 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 they're they're perceived as the 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 most suffering of the enneagram types because there's this kind of longing, this this fantasizing that is rooted in the ability of the four to to draw out depth and significance and meaning in all things, except for themselves. And and so I think the simplicity is for the four to see themselves in the same way that they see the world to to actually allow. Um, their ability to name what is beautiful in everything, to name that beauty within themselves, and to really allow that to be the the the, the balm that heals the ache and the suffering in their own heart. Mm. All right. So to be able to see the beauty within themselves. Yeah. Okay. This is fun. Thank. How about fives? So fives are the observers or the investigators that need to understand. And fives really are, I mean, kind of the, the most expansive of the head types here. They're, they're um, I, I mean, they just have this insatiable sort of deep dive to get to the bottom of everything. And it's hard to know if they actually are more obsessed with getting answers or getting the question right. But you see, they're perceived as really withdrawn because they're kind of in and up into their head. And they're perceived as um, very detached from engaging the reality in which they live because they're, 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 they're trying to um, 
They're trying to get everything sort of exposed. They're trying to uncover the essence of everything. So of course, simplicity for the five just means turning down all that noise and really sort of allowing themselves to say yes to silence that it's not the questions or the answers, but it's being in the present with themselves that allows them to drop from their head into their heart and, and, and to let that be the place where they grow. Hmm. How hard is it for a five to do that? Um, I think it's pretty hard for all of us to do that, but I think especially for the fives because their mind is just churning. I mean, it's like the gears in a watch that will, will perpetually and forever be wound. You, you can't stop it, but you can. And I think yeah. the, the stopping really starts with, with saying yes to silence. Mm. All right. And how about the sixes? So six is sometimes called the skeptic, the, the loyalist. This is the need to be secure. Sixes are contingency planners, worst case scenario thinkers. They, 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 they're perceived as pessimistic, but it's not pessimism. It's concern because this is how they love. The bummer is just like all of us in nine different ways, we don't love ourselves the way that we we present or or offer love into the world. And, and so for the sixes, they they really go to some pretty desperate and difficult and extreme places in their minds, which kind of winds up a lot of anxiety or, or fear. And so my sense for the sixes is to, to sort of um, confront their fears as malformations of truth means to, to, to really just say yes to peace and, and to let that sort of inner peace be what guides them. You see a lot of sixes, they, they don't believe in themselves. And so they, 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 they uh, enlist external authorities to shore that up, to allow them to feel as if they're going to be okay. But that's also kind of false scaffolding. And, mm -hmm. and, and so the peace is already within and to say yes to that peace and to align with it, I think is what allows that, that fear to, 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 to fall away. I'm curious um, on a little tiny bunny trail um, for leaders that are leading sixes in organizations or volunteer groups, wherever, um, because those sixes enlist external authorities, what, what are some best practices for a leader to not get hooked on that scaffolding? Yeah, because folks who have, let's say, influence over others or authority over others or aren't, or aren't in positions of leadership, love that. Like they love that kind of, I'm surrendering my consciousness or my ability to make decisions, or I'm surrendering um, my own sort of sense of strength to this individual. And what it does to, I think, a leader is it inflates their sense of self and it deludes the leader while simultaneously it doesn't honor the courage and the capacity of the six. So that's kind of a push-pull relationship there. But if you have leaders who are self-actualized, self-realized, who, who realize like actually leadership isn't sort of dominance and domineering, but it's it's the, the caring of responsibility and the care of responsibility, then I think in relationships with all sixes, it's the affirmation that you you're stronger than you realize. In mm -hmm. fact, you're probably the strongest one in the room. And like, when you can align with your courage, we'll, we'll all follow you. Mm. So for the sixes, simplicity is about saying yes to peace. And it sounds like that could lead to their courage. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Sixes are born to be a strength, a, a source of strength, a, a, a source of courage, a, a source of faith. Mm. Okay, the best Enneagram type. Yes. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, let's hear about the sevens. I love how sevens. Do, how do 
I get more simplicity in my life? Mm. So oh, sevens good. are called the enthusiasts. This is the need to avoid pain. This is the up and out energy. Um, so they're, 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 they're curious, they're imaginative, they're, they're playful. And this is all really contagious, right? Sevens, just like the ones and the fours are frustrated idealists, ones frustrated about their idealism of goodness and excellence, perfection, fours frustrated about their idealism of meaning, significance, and beauty, sevens frustrated about their idealism of freedom. And so sevens have been notoriously, and I think unfairly judged as materialistic. And, and what we have to do is turn that upside down and say, actually, the seven is free. If the seven has access to resources, they're free to, to spend those on whatever they want. And, and, and because they're also free of other people's judgments and expectations, sevens can be free to, to spend it on the best. Um, sevens have sometimes been dragged by sort of this critique that they don't follow through with what they start. Well, you see, for the seven to bring closure to anything means possibility, opportunity, freedom has been diminished. And whenever freedom takes a hit, part of the seven dies. So this is great. We love these things about sevens. The deal is for the sevens, it's really hard to be in the present because in the present, the heart of the seven is waiting. And in the heart of the seven, even the pain is waiting. And so I think for sevens, simplicity probably has to start with saying yes to now and allowing now to be what it is. And if there's, there's pain in there, great. And if there's um, levity in there, great. But to, to not try to control that, the present is where the seven flourishes. The present is, is where the seven actually offers the best of the gift of their freedom. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be in the future and it certainly can't be in the past. That has to be, has to be now. Yeah. That it's funny. I had a coaching call this morning where I was the client and we were working through something and, um, and my coach, she said, I forget what the question was, but I started talking about the future, like how it's going to be. And, and she's like, is there something, I forget the question that she asked, but it woke me up to this coping strategy that I do, which is like planning and visioning the future instead of being right here, right now hmm. and, and being present and creating from what is so. I think you're on to something, Chris. Mm. <laughs> Might know a thing or two about this energy. Oh man. <laughs> well, how about you're an eight? So tell us about what what does simplicity look like for an eight? After yes. So eights are called the challengers. Um, this is the need to be against. This is the contrarian energy. Uh, eights hate bullies, but they can be the biggest bullies. Eights are, are sometimes larger than life people. There's a, a force of presence and energy here. And, and they're one of the most initiating, sort of externally initiating types. Um, the thing about the A is, is they're really kind of running from their own vulnerability because what's happened here is their, their virtue is innocence. And what is lost in that innocence is probably in their early holding environment during their childhood, they felt as if they had to be stronger than they were. They had to grow up a little bit too quickly. They had to sort of, lay down part of their tenderness and, and toughen up. And so I think for, for the eight, simplicity is a, a return to that innocence through vulnerability. Now, you, you probably know this, the, in English, the word vulnerable comes from the Latin for wound. And so to be vulnerable means to be woundable. And, and what that looks like is to, 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 to feel the freedom to bear our most tender part, right? I just got this, this dog this weekend. Come here, baby. And um, when I first, right there, she just rolled over and showed her heart. And it's like, when a dog shows her heart, what that is, is that's just trust and submission. It's, 
hey, this is where you could hurt me the most, but I want to show you that I feel safe with you. And I think for, for eights, feeling safe in their vulnerability is, is, is the insurmountable challenge. But if we're challengers, then that's the challenge to press into. It's to say yes to our vulnerability, to allow that vulnerability to lead us back to innocence. Mm. Well, that sounds like the hardest one so far. Mm. <laughs> Maybe that's my eight wing talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right, our nines. What does simplicity look like for our, I have a lot of nines in my life. Mm -hmm. So nines are great. Nines are a source of love. If you look at the symbol or the drawing of the Enneagram, they, they sit at the top of the circle and, and we're all basically diminished versions of the nine falling off to the right or the left. Nines are called the, the peacemaker, the mediator. These are the arbitrating peaceful presences in our lives who, who understand um, conflict from both sides and actually can, can be the best referees. They just sort of hate to have to pick a side because they're so accepting and including of all perspectives and all people but themselves so this is where the kind of self-forgetting notion of nineness comes in this leaking of their own life force this making themselves smaller so that everybody else in their life and the needs of everybody else in their lives can be bigger so simplicity for the nine is actually making themselves putting themselves first and that would just sear the, the the heart of a nine because that will sound so selfish. That will sound so egocentric, narcissistic. But again, if 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 a nine can't say yes to themselves, they really can't say a full yes or give themselves fully and yes to others. So mm -hmm. it's it's not making yourself small. It's actually owning how big your presence and your gift um, and the gifts that you have to offer your 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 friends, your partner, your communities can be. Oh my gosh, you've taken this topic simplicity and this could literally be a whole nother 52 weeks on simplicity with each Enneagram type. Um, I love how you have taken it and it, it's really about that, the heart and the mind. The It's not an external thing of like, let me create more simplicity in my life by getting rid of things, by clearing out my calendar. Um, it's this internal work that is unique to each type. Um, and, and, you know, when the inner work is going, I think it makes it easier for the outer work to start to authentically come into place. You know, do you agree mm. with that or how would yeah. you? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, in your reflection, this, this whole like notion, this, this suggestion, this, this, this this practice of, of of decluttering, I think, is 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 it, it's making room, and I think probably at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's making room mm -hmm. for more, mm -hmm. not more to be attached to, but more to be generous mm -hmm. with, more to be able to receive as you're able to receive love and give love to yourself. So I'm not saying I need more books, and that makes me a simple person. I'm saying in these books, if there are things that I can read understand metabolize ingest, and then share i'm giving that away i'm creating in my self space to actually be filled with gifts that aren't mine to to hold mm -hmm. and that's why i said it's not how i hold it it's it, it's it's what i hold and it's not what i give it's actually what i keep and 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 and, and whatever i keep whatever i hoard that keeps me from that spirituality of simplicity mm -hmm. 
Chris, this was so awesome. So amazing. So as we close this topic, um, what advice do you give yourself and others? Um, you might have to answer it two separate ways, but um, in terms of embracing simplicity. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the truth is, is I, I, I can't and don't give advice to others that I've not sort of faced and fumbled around and hopefully stumbled forward in, in my own heart, my own mind, my own life. For me right now, simplicity looks like turning down a lot of the noise and that's the interior noise that, that has distracted me about my true sense of self and my identity. Um, it, it's turning down the noise of, of the guilt and the shame and the regret and, and all the things that, that sort of roll around in the back of my head that distract me from, from actually being able to be compassionate with self and to love myself. And, and I think it's, um, actually just saying yes to the, the next beautiful opportunity that's presented to me. And so this past week, that's a sweet little dog. And yes, having a dog is way more expensive than I remember <laughs> and takes a lot more time than I thought, but it also creates a different kind of pace in my life that has simplified my life. That the things that, that bring her joy are so simple that it reminds me that, you know, a, a cup of cold water should actually be one of the, the best gifts I give myself and receive every day. Mm, I love it. Thank you. And yeah. for anyone wanting to um, follow you, um, well, I definitely highly recommend go to Amazon and get all four. I The book is someplace. I loaned it to a friend and I just couldn't find it right now. But um, the Game Changers for sure best 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 books if you google enneagram there's hundreds if not a thousand or plus books on the enneagram and i've purchased a lot yeah me too right <laughs> but but i i would say these have been the most transformative like you said that what can i in ingest metabolize and use in my life so and then the other thing is definitely um, follow his um, podcast, Enneagram Map Makers. Is that on like Spotify, Apple, all mm -hmm. the major? Yeah, wherever you listen to yeah. podcasts. Enneagram Map Makers. So Chris, thank you so much. I so appreciate you. I can't wait for our next Enneagram coaching session. Um, and next week, the topic is lemonade. So um, join us next week. Thank you again, Chris. And we will see everybody in a week. Thanks so much for including me. Take care, Kari. Thank you for listening to this episode of Monday Motivation with Corey Mendoza. Did this conversation spark something in you? Did you have an aha moment? Share it with us by writing a review on this episode on your podcast player. Help us get the good news out in the world and help others find this podcast by giving it a five-star review. And be sure to subscribe to the Monday Motivation with Corey Mendoza podcast to not miss the next episode. To learn more about Corey and her brand, Volition, visit choosevolition.com.